0: Thank you. I'm going to get my wife to come and read the scriptures to us first of all. Thank you, Janie. The reading's from Hebrews 11, verse 1
1: to 7. Right, it's Hebrews 11, 1 to 7. Now faith is confidence in what we hope for, and assurance about what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. By faith we understand that the universe was formed at God's command, so that what is seen was not made out of what, is, what was visible. By faith, Abel brought God a better offering than Cain did. By faith, he was commended as righteous. When God spoke well of his offerings, and by faith, Abel still speaks, even though he is dead. By faith, Enoch was taken from this life, so that he did not experience death. He could not be found, because God had taken him away.
0: Thank you, Jean, for uh, that reading. Now, I love the Psalms, uh, particularly the Davidic Psalms. They're, They're really great. But when you come to Psalm 55, you find that King David's in a bit of a state. He really is. His troubles are not imagined. They're real. And, well, as a result of that, his whole world is in a turmoil, And the troubles are not just on the outside, they're on the inside too. And when that happens, you really are in trouble. Listen to his description of the problems and and how he feels. Listen to my prayer, O God. Do not ignore my plea. Hear me and answer me. My thoughts trouble me, and I am distraught at the voice of the enemy at the stairs of the wicked. For they bring down suffering upon me and revile me in their anger. My heart is in anguish within me. The terrors of death assail me. Fear and trembling have beset me. Horror horror has overwhelmed me. I said, oh, that I had the wings of a dove, I would fly away and be at rest. I would flee far away and stay in the desert. I would hurry to my place of shelter far from the tempest and storm. Just note the words he uses there. He says he's distraught, he's suffering, he's in anguish and terrors, fear, trembling, horror, tempest, storm. He really was in a bit of a state, wasn't he? Now, if you've lived very long, you can probably equate with that. We've all probably been somewhere similar to that When trouble has been on the outside, and as with David, trouble gets on the inside. But in verse 16, David reaches out to God. He says, But I call to God, and the Lord saves me. Evening and morning and noon, I cry out in my distress, and he hears my voice. And then in verse 22, he says, Cast your cares on the Lord and he will sustain you. He will never let the righteous fall. As low as he'd got, suddenly faith begins to rise in him and he calls unto the Lord and he starts believing in the power of God and he says he will never let the righteous fall. However bad things get, when we look to God, when we call upon Him, when we put our faith in Him, things can change. We find that wonderful things happen. I want to look um, today at what faith is. Next week, um, if David lets me come back and preach again. <laughs> um, I want to preach about a lady who found herself in just a situation like King David. She was at the end of her tether. She couldn't cope anymore. But through faith and obedience, God turned her situation around. But I also want to be real when I talk about faith next week and talk about how we handle it when things don't turn out the way we hope for today i want to look at what is faith and we're better to look than hebrews chapter 11 hebrews 11:1 11, is a definition of what faith is now let me read it from three different translations new international version now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see The New American Standard Bible, no faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. And then the King James Bible, no faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Now you'll see that there's not a lot of difference between the way the different modern translations change it from the King James Version, except in the fifth word, where some say assurance or confidence, the authorised version is substance. Now, I want to use the authorised version rendering of this definition um, this morning, because I like that best. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Have you noticed there's a similarity or a connection between the second half of verse one and verse three? The second half of verse one says, the evidence of things not seen. The verse three says, things which are seen were made out of things which do not appear. John Piper, who I quite like his commentaries, um, commenting on this says there's a parallel of scripture in Romans 1.20. Now this is how that goes. Since the creation of the world, God's invisible attributes, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood but what has been made. The word understood there is the same word used in verse 3 of Hebrews 11. Piper again. Hebrews seems to be saying that faith is the spiritual seeing or perceiving of the fingerprints of God on the things he has made. I like to Read on my phone when I've got a minute. I'm waiting for Jane, she's always late for things. Um, I I, I like to read the Google News because they give us snippets of uh, headlines and things from all different newspapers and what have you. And every so often, I don't know why they do it, there appears a picture. It might be of uh, uh, an orchard or it might be of um, some animals in a forest. And it'll say this You are in the top. 5% 5% if you can spot the animal or fruit or whatever it is in this picture. Now, I want to tell you, I must be in the bottom 5% because I can never see it. However hard I look, I can never see it. But apparently, some can. Some look at creation, don't they? And they see nothing but accidents submutations and natural selection. But by faith, when we look at creation, we see the fingerprints of God. We see God's revelation. Or, as Romans 120 put it, "God's invisible attributes, His eternal power and His divine nature." Faith sees, faith understands things unseen. I love that story in two Kings. Uh, 6.15 where Elisha's at Dothan and uh, his servant goes out early the next morning and uh, he sees the army uh, I think it's the Syrians wasn't it all surrounding the, the the town and he rushes in to Elisha and he says oh no my master what will we do Elisha replied don't be afraid for our side outnumbers then them. Then Elisha prayed, O oh Lord, open his eyes so he can see. It says the Lord opened the servant's eyes and he saw that the hill was full of horses and chariots of fire around Elisha. Elisha could see things that others could not see. Hebrews 11:17 says of Moses he pers- persevered because he saw him who is invisible by faith he saw God in a way that others could not see him 2 Corinthians 4:18 says we do not look at the things which are seen but at the things which are not seen for the things which are seen are temporary but the things which are not seen are eternal so Paul could pray for the Ephesians that the eyes of your heart might be enlightened I love the writings of C.S. Lewis he said this once I believe in Christianity as I believe in the sun s-u-n that I believe that the sun has risen not only because I see it but because by it I see everything 2 corinthians 4 verse 5 to 6 says for what we preach is not ourselves but jesus christ as lord and ourselves as your servant for jesus sake for god who said let light shine out of darkness made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of god displayed in the face of christ when we put our faith in jesus christ God's light shines in our hearts and we see things and experience things that others do not. That's the conviction or the evidence our faith gives. Now, that's the first part. The second part is, now, faith is the substance of things hoped for. Faith not only allows us to see things that are unseen, the very things of God, but actually allows us to take hold of them too. Last quote from John Piper, I promise. In other words, he says, faith grasps, lays hold of God's preciousness so firmly that in the faith itself, there is the substance of the goodness and the sweetness promised. Faith doesn't create what we hope for. That would be a mere mind game. Faith is a spiritual apprehending or perceiving or tasting or sensing of the beauty and and sweetness and preciousness and goodness of what God promises. Now, if I tell you about a Greek word, please don't think I'm clever and I understand New Testament Greek. I don't, okay? But I know those who do. Um, There's a Greek word. The Greek word for substance here is hypostasis. And in secular Greek, they it, they found in, in, in one particular instance, it was used for um, a document that stood for um, evidence of a tract of land or a bit of property. Now, hypostasis wasn't that bit of property, but it was the evidence that it existed and it was real. And that's the word that the writer of the Hebrews use here for substance, In the same way, faith takes hold of God's promise in such a powerful way that what God promises becomes a substance in faith of that. Now, there are two ways in which we can experience this um, seeing and taking hold of the things of God through faith. The first happens, I've mentioned that already, when we put our faith in Jesus Christ. When we put our faith in Christ, wonderful things happen. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old has gone, the new is here. We become a brand new, spiritually alive person when we put our faith in Jesus Christ. Hebrews 6 5, admittedly in a different context, speaks of Christians as those who have been enlightened, who have tasted the heavenly gift, who shared in the Holy Spirit, who have tasted the goodness of the Word of God and the powers of the coming age. Wow. Peter, in his day of Pentecost sermon, said, Repent and be baptized, every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit we become partakers of this heavenly life of all these things when we put our faith in Christ but we have to be true to the context here too in Hebrews 11 it's talking about faith becoming the reality of what we hoped for so it talks about Abraham and Sarah believing for a son. They hoped for a son, and they believed for a son even in their old age when it seemed impossible, and their faith became the reality. It talks about Moses parting the Red Sea, Joshua seeing the walls of Jericho fall down, and many other wonderful acts of faith where faith in God became so real they reached out in faith they took hold of the promise in faith and it became the substance the assurance of what they hoped for so hebrews 1 verse 1 to 3 tells us what faith is but then he goes on in the other verses uh, uh, other four verses to tell us about the importance of faith first of all he says faith brings acceptance let me read that to you verse four by faith Abel brought God a better offering than Cain did by faith he was commended as righteous when God spoke well of his offerings and by faith Abel still speaks even though he is dead faith brings acceptance we all like to be accepted it's it good to be accepted, isn't it? That's why I think teenagers feel the peer pressure so acutely, because they long to be accepted. I remember when I was at primary school, and if I say that I came from a poor family, that's not an overstatement, it's an understatement. My stepfather was um, more out of work than in work, and when he was in work, they were all very low-paid jobs. I was one of seven children, and uh, when I first took my new girlfriend, who later became my wife, Jeannie, to our home, she watched my mother make rice pudding, and she was horrified because my mother was making rice pudding with water. In her house, they made it with milk. When I was, uh, I remember one summer, I wore the soles of my shoes completely through. There was a big hole about the size of the palm of my hand in the sole of both of my shoes, and it was making holes in my socks as I walked. So my mother, every morning, before I went to school, would cut a cardboard insole out and put it in the shoe. I'm not making this up. This is how poor we were. And I would have to go to school on a cardboard insole to stop my socks being holed. One morning, as we were get, getting ready as children for school, my mother looks out of the window and it was really pouring down with rain. She said, David, the cardboard insoles won't do it today, they'll turn to mush. There's only one thing for it, we've got nothing else. You're going to have to wear my fur lined, fur trimmed ankle boots to school, zip up ankle boots. I said, I am not. And I screamed and I cried and I said, they'll hate me at school. I won't be accepted. I'll be ridiculed. But my mother had a bit of steel in her and where them I would and where them I did. But the amazing thing happened. When I got to school, the kids all thought they were some new kind of modern boba <laughs> And they all wanted a pair. I was accepted. I was one of the crowd. It was a wonderful feeling. We all want to be accepted. It's important to be accepted, but it's even more important to be accepted by God. The account of Cain and Abel is a sad one. Cain farmed the soil while Abel uh, was a shepherd. Cain brought an offering from his crops where Abel brought the first fruits of his flock. The rejection of Cain's offering, Abel's was accepted, Cain's was rejected. Uh, The rejection of Cain's offering brought about the first murder in human history. Now we don't know how much Adam and Eve understood about the principle that would develop in God's revelation about uh, uh, the need for sacrifice to cover sin. And we don't know if they did understand whether they Aparted any of this to Cain and Abel. Maybe Abel understood this and it guided his choice of his offering. It's certainly interesting that he offered the first fruit of his flock. That would become an important principle in the Mosaic law. But we really don't know. The truth is, the Bible states the reason Abel's offering was accepted is because he offered it in faith. Rick Easel make an, makes an interesting point in writing about Cain and Abel. He says, Cain represents all those people in the world who believe they can make up their own religion. And then he quotes the American evangelist, Louis Louis. Lugo, who says, you no longer have an alignment of affiliation, belief, and behavior. Instead, we find complexity and diversity, not only between religious communities, but within them as well. In other words, people are believing what they want, doing what they want, and thinking what they want. Rick Easel commented on that, got it right, when he says, let me remind you that you may believe what you want think what you want, act like what you want, but there's only one way to garden that's through faith in his Son, Jesus Christ. It is about faith, and that faith must be in Jesus. Galatians 2.16 says, Knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by the faith of Jesus Christ, even we have believed in Jesus Christ, that we might be justified by the faith of Christ, not by the works of the law, for by the works of the law shall no one be justified. And John 20:31, These are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. If you want to be accepted with God, you've got to put your faith in Jesus Christ. Two other quick points, now I'm keeping my eye on time. Faith pleases God, he goes on to say, verse 5 to 6. By faith Enoch was taken from this life so that he did not experience death he could not be found because God had taken him away. For before he was taken, he was commended as one who pleased God. And without faith, it is impossible to please him because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Faith, pleases God. Without faith you can't please God, he says, because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. The name Thomas Hobbes might not mean anything to you, and that would be surprising because he was born in 1588, died in 1679. But he taught that God was the transcendent creator, the first of all causes but that he had no ongoing relationship with nature or with creation or with people. The system of belief that he founded was called deism. And it became popular in the centuries following. Two US presidents were deists. And if we understand this correctly from his writings, the late Professor Stephen Hawkins was a deist. For he said, talking about the laws of gravity, these laws may have originally been decreed by God, but it appears that he has since left the universe to evolve according to them and not now intervenes in it. Surely Hebrews 11, when it says that we must believe that God exists, means more than this. James, in his epistle, says in 2.19, you believe that there is one God, good even the demons believe that and shudder believing in god clearly means more than just an intellectual assent it means more than like me saying i believe london's the capital of england it's got to mean more than that all the examples of faith in hebrews 11 show it means more than that faith in god must mean acceptance of all that god is of all his revelation of who and what god is You see, God's not the God of the Deus. He's not uninvolved in his creation. He's creator, sustainer, revealer, and savior, who through Jesus Christ offers full salvation. Martin Luther discovered that. He was the great reformer. He was uh, a monk seeking to find how to please God. And he was reading Romans 1.17. For in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last, just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. He wrote, there I began to understand that the righteousness of God is that by which the righteous live by a gift of God, namely by faith. And this is the meaning, the righteousness of God is revealed by the gospel, namely the righteousness with which merciful God justifies us by faith, as it is written, he who through faith is righteous shall live. Here I felt that I was altogether born again, and had entered paradise itself through open gates. There a totally other face of the entire scripture showed itself to me. He discovered that faith in Christ, Please God he didn't have to do anything or be anything he just had to put his faith in Christ to please God he not did that and God in such a close walk with God he was translated to heaven and in closing let me say this faith brings salvation By faith, verse 7, nor being warned about things not yet seen, in holy fear, built an ark to save his family. By his faith, he condemned the world and became heir of righteousness that is in keeping with faith. Nor was warned of a coming flood. In turn, he spent many years warning others about things not yet seen, it says. Nor walked with God, and he knew God's word was true. And when God says, prepare an ark for the saving of your household, he believed God's word and he acted upon it. If he hadn't have done, he would have perished with everybody else. Remember what we read in 2 Corinthians 4.18. We do not look on the things which are seen, but the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. He trusted in what he hadn't seen. He was warned about things not yet seen. He didn't, hadn't seen them, but he believed them because God said. Do you remember Thomas and resurrection? After the resurrection, the disciples saw Jesus in the upper room. Thomas wasn't with them. The next time, week... Later Jesus appeared and Thomas was there before he had said, I will not believe unless I see, unless I feel. And when I put my hand in the wound in his side, he says, I will not believe. Jesus challenged him, and then he said, Because you've seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have seen who have not seen and yet believed. Every living person must make that same choice to believe or to doubt. You have to make that as well. Upon that choice rests our eternal destiny. Acts 4.12 says, Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. That name is Jesus. Faith brings salvation let's pray maybe you're here this morning and you haven't come to that place in your journey where you've actually put your faith solely in christ invited him into your life and just said lord jesus come in be lord of my life be my savior forgive my sin i just want to put my faith in you and follow you today If you haven't done that yet, I try to make it plain how important faith in Christ is. Why not do that now? Just pray that prayer. Lord Jesus, come in to my life. I put my faith in you and your sacrifice on the cross. Come into my life. I will follow you. And if you pray a simple prayer like that, right now, you can experience what the Bible calls the new birth be born into the very kingdom of God. Have your spiritual eyes open to see and to know the very things of God. If you do that, then tell someone after the service that you've done it. Father, we thank you for your word and thank you for the gift of faith. We pray that you bless your word to our hearts this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.